Hi there, it's Shelby Alexander, and welcome to the Spiritual Journey Podcast, a place where we explore the spiritual nature of this human experience and how to live happy, free, and thrive together. Hey everybody, happy 2022. I don't know about you, but I am T-Swift feeling 2022. I am so excited for this year. I'm so excited to fly big with big wings and do the thing, you know, be the thing rather. (laughs) And I hope you are too. And that's why I wanna invite you to my second annual A New Year Retreat Experience happening February 4th through 6th. It's an amazing experience. I've committed to this retreat, this at-home virtual retreat every year for the last six years. In it, we honor where we've been in the prior year, look at all of our learnings, our accomplishments. We step into the present and let go of all the things that no longer serve us, whether it's limiting beliefs or the old sweater in the closet, we let it go. And lastly, we get ready to step into the future so that we can thrive together. This experience is a culmination of self-care in your home, a community field. We've got guides from from my other places in my world that I'm I think so highly of to lead embodied movement, asana or yoga practices, meditation. There's guided journaling. We have a vision board exercise. You're going to be guided to do a letting go ritual that's super powerful and potent as well as meditations and manifestation offerings for me. So if you are really feeling like, yeah, girl, this year is different. I'm feeling it. You're not wrong. 2022 through 2024 is meant to be a huge time on the planet for quantum leaping, for you deepening in your awakening path and becoming more of what you're meant to be. So if you are ready to get clear and really create space to be with yourself before the February season, which is going to be really accelerating the manifestation and creation. This is for you. I would love to have you be there. We've got about a group of 10 now. It's going to be super intimate and rejuvenative. There is a discount code for you in the show notes below for podcast listeners. I believe it's $50 off. We would love to have you sign up no later than Monday, January 31st. I will see you there. Big love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of This Spiritual Journey. I'm your host, Shelby Alexander, and I am so excited to introduce to you today our guest, Daisy Noakes. Daisy is a healer, intuitive, energy worker, and spiritual mentor. She draws on her background as a therapist and body worker and utilizing her chosen modality, vortex healing, also known as divine energy healing. I personally have found myself working with Daisy as a healer on and off for nearly a year and can attest to the power of her sessions, the potency, and the personal transformation they've been catalysts to in my life. I am so grateful to have been connected to her and to know her. She's a fellow spirit junkie and has become a dear friend of mine. Welcome, Daisy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for whatever is about to happen here. And my first question for you is the question that I usually ask everyone at the beginning of the show, 
which is what are some of the very human titles or hats you wear in this life? Okay, well, recently I'm an auntie and my niece is about eight and a half months now. Um, And I'm a friend to many best friends and a daughter and uh, I would say a little worker bee. You know, I guess, you know, I've always been one of those people that's uh, worked and had a job um, and and living and um, and also, you know, I'm quite into skateboarding. So that's mm. another uh, little hat of mine, I suppose you could say. I love that fun fact about you. I remember when I first learned that and I was like, oh my God, this, this woman's so cool. She's like out skateboarding on breaks and then comes back and does energy healing and then goes to like AMA, AMA trainings and is meditating half the day and is so, so fun and so human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for me, all of my life has always been integrated in that way where Uh, my humanity and spirituality have never been particular identities for me um, and have never been separate for me and I've never really been given the chance to separate them either which I think has been one of the biggest blessings of my personal part I love that and it it's honestly one of the teachings or transmissions that I feel like has come through from you for me and probably with other people you work with just by just by being close to you. It's like very fun to see someone who's integrated their, their like humanity, both the messy and the beautiful with the deeply, deeply spiritual. And I feel like you have such a, I make up that you have such a wide spectrum of experience because of that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's quite true about my, my experience. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I am excited to pepper you with fun questions about energy healing in this episode, because I feel like it's been something for me that has totally like accelerated my own spiritual journey down my soul path. And I think you and I have talked about this before. I'm like, man, it's just a detour in the right direction. It's like, instead of slogging through... (laughs) And trying to heal the things in my physical reality, when we when we go to kind of the energetic level, things just seem to really move fast and yeah. in a way that kind of blew my mind and felt magical and triggered disbelief and like, what is this real? Like, what is really going on here? So I'm so excited to hear all the things you're going to share, but specifically to open with this question, which is what is energy healing to you and how did you get into it? Right. And, you know, for me, energy healing is really working with energy, simply working with energy within somebody versus working with other parts of them. So in most of the work that I do, I'm working with the human energy system Mm. And in my view, that underlies many of the other facets of a person. Their physical health is usually very reliant on the state of their energy system, for example. Um, And essentially, 
the consciousness and the energy of that person is going to determine their experience of living to a large extent. Um, what kind of state of consciousness they're in and what kind of state of energy experience that they're in is going to really color how they see life and how they feel life mm. um, and their body is going to express that their mind is going to express that their emotions are going to express that so that's kind of a little beginning yeah I love that. it yeah and how how did you get into it because I imagine you weren't you know always a <laughs> walking talking breathing energy healer well right maybe we are but you know right right yeah absolutely you're right I I wasn't I was raised in a a very atheist family who were very empowered creatively they were you know my parents were very creative professionally and in every other way um and we were raised in a very glamorous and exciting environment in London it was the heyday of advertising in the 1980s and mm. also before that. And my parents were very well known in that industry all around the world. So there was this quite unusual and crazy and exciting upbringing that me and my brother had. So that was my start in life. So there was no mention of divinity or energy. That was just not even in, in our scope at that time. Later, what happened was that I began to have certain experiences and that's how I came to know what energy is I suppose the first experience I had was when I was involved in the rave scene as a very young teenager so I got the tail end of that of where acid house was moving into hardcore and moving into all these amazing musical expressions and clubbing in that time in London was very non-commercial. It was not a meat market. So it's very different to how things have turned out to be later down the line. In that era, it was really about unity consciousness. Mm. And for some people, it was a lot about drugs as well. For me personally, it wasn't. But that was all part of kind of this move towards unity and seeing and feeling unity consciousness. And it's not that we always had words for it, but that was what the focus was. And I remember having an experience one day in one of those clubs of divine love. And it completely changed my world when I got in touch with that. And that was through music. That was through a very hugging, embracing atmosphere, dancing, and that kind of blissful, ecstatic experience that comes through music and dancing. And it, it's, it, it takes you really into an altered state, mm -hmm. especially at that age. Um, where you're very open and you're very innocent so I had this huge kind of experience and it hit me and I shifted and then years later when I was 18 I I wandered into a Buddhist monastery and for some reason went to this meditation class I had no idea what this was and that was then the the next big hit or shift was you know, I sat down on that cushion and they said, you know, do this, whatever the teaching was. And I just did it because I when you're open, you don't have any preconception of what any of this means or what on earth it is. So you tend to just do what you're told to do in that moment. And that's kind of the beauty of being a beginner, I think, in all parts of life. So I just did it. And as soon as I hit that cushion and I did that meditation, I knew 
this is what I've been looking for my whole life. There was mm. this intuitive recognition. And at that point, I saw this is where I'm going to find everything that I need in my whole life for the rest of my life. And actually, that was true. It turned out to be, weirdly enough, true that that was the case. So that was the big one then. And then, you know, it unfolded from there. Um, I don't know how much you want to know about all of that, but. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I definitely want to hear you speak to is, that's beautiful, by the way. I love, I haven't heard this this part of your story yet. So it's really fun to hear now. Um, what did that divine love feel like each time? Oh my God. I think, you know, when I was in that club, the song was a song with Chrissy Hind from the Pretenders on vocals. And mm. the band was a band called Mood Swings. And they were part of that kind of rave culture at the time. And they, you know, it was a song that they played in this. It was all, everything kind of lined up. It was like one of those perfect moments. Yeah, you know, when yeah, everything yeah. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was just went into this bliss. And the song, funnily enough, was called Spiritual High. That was the name of Whoa. the song. I found out, I found all this out later. And the words and the vibration that that band were coming from and that Chrissy Hind was coming from and all of that was so pure. And suddenly I went into this bliss, which I hadn't really consciously recognized before. I think we all get that as children, young children, but I'm talking about when it becomes like a conscious recognition, mm -hmm. which usually happens later. Mm -hmm. And that was when it happened for me. And it was like, I, I, I felt unconditional love. I could feel it through every pore of my body. I was in total ecstatic bliss in the dance floor and just this feeling of vibration on a cellular level. And the vibration was what I would now name unconditional love or divine love, a love that's completely beyond attachment. It has no object. It has no reason or cause. It's a totality. Mm. And so that's how, how I experienced it then. Wow. And you were 15? I was 13. 13. <laughs> 13 at the rave. I love it. I'm like, there's so much more story. It's here. a long story, but well it's we were, interesting we were very yeah. young I mean in those days they would let you into these places I mean obviously it's changed over time and, <laughs> and obviously my parents didn't know where I, where I was and you know my parents were very wild and very um party people themselves to a certain extent but they were also very grounded so it was kind of a funny mixture with them but yeah anyway they certainly weren't uh any the wiser as to what we were all up to of course uh each Saturday night <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so at 13, you have kind of this first experience mm. and then later at 18 and on the meditation mm. cushion. And you said that you mm. had this feeling of realizing that this is kind of the answer to all your problems. Like it's this, where I would find the answers, where you would find the answers, and whatever so, answers to whatever questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what, if any, were the problems or struggles that you were experiencing that led you to feeling like there was resonance for you in, in that place? Well, when I was 18, the problems I was facing was I felt really low. And I 
I, I loved school, but not because of the formal education part. I was good at formal education, but it didn't satisfy me and it alienated me and I didn't like it. I didn't like being educated. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to university, it was kind of a forced thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I have to go. So I went and for that reason, I became really low and down because I didn't want to be there. And that university, that particular university environment was quite negative for me because it was it was too big for me. I would have done better in a smaller place. And it was, um, it was full of people that I couldn't relate to, whereas school had been completely different, you know, full of people who wanted to go to raves and, you know, my Mm. kind of people. And so I went from like, you know, London to this, to Brighton, and it was very difficult transition for me. And basically based around the fact I didn't want to be educated. And but the destiny of going there was that once I got so low and felt so shitty that I wandered into a monastery, I think, mm. you know, probably the reason why quite a few people wander into a monastery when they have no background in spirituality. Um, by doing all of that, it ultimately led to the unfoldment of everything. And Brighton became this completely different place for me. It's it's a a magical place on the south coast of England Mm. by the sea. And it all unfolded from there. And, you know, so I guess in answer to your question, I just felt really low, really down that day. And not just that day, but in general, when I was 18, it was like all my conditioning was beginning that I had begun that I had somehow managed to suppress before that. Mm. You know, there was plenty of conditioning and stuff like that there. But up until 18, I'd managed to suppress it all. And then suddenly I couldn't do that anymore. And that was the biggest blessing. I didn't know that at the time, of course. (laughs) But in hindsight, it it came out of suppression and I started to um, to face it I began at least a tiny bit to face what was inside me and and then as I went into that meditation and I had the experience that I shared before um, I kind of saw also the pathway through all of that conditioning I love um, that and into freedom a freedom it's- which I knew I didn't actually hadn't experienced yet and that I would at some point it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm so curious, given your background as both a therapist and an energy healer on your perspective of what is conditioning and what is its role in our human experience? Great question. Great question. What is conditioning? I can tell you what I know so far um, in my professional experience and my personal experience. Um, Conditioning is what is not personal and yet we have the responsibility of dealing with it inside Mm -hmm. us. And that impersonal conditioning, which feels very personal to us, arises from our all these thousands of past lives that we've lived. And that I would call karmic conditioning. And the other part of it arises from all this genetic ancestral conditioning that flows through our cells 
almost like emotional energy in our cells, in our DNA that arises from our ancestors and how they've imprinted each generation or the, the energy of that conditioning has imprinted each generation. And then, so you've got, you know, every human being is dealing with these two really deep primal streams of conditioning that mm. run through our, our entire body mind. And then what happens is we're born into a life that, that usually, I would say probably always, reflects that and bonds and 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 sort of makes a bed with that conditioning and we have childhood experiences that play out those deeper influences which we actually came in which we're actually born with mm -hmm. and the childhood is then reflective of that and so you end up with also that third aspect deep aspect of conditioning and So I would say trying to sort of keep it as simple as, as possible, that is what I see as being conditioning within a human being. It's super helpful. And I think I, I learned that a bit through you. You were like the first person to kind of give that wisdom to me and it resonates so much. And I also am like thinking about how how we then evolve out of our conditioning, right? Like how do we digest, digest the karma, eat, eat whatever we packed in our universe lunchbox to like yeah. digest in this life. And, and also just anything you have to share on why that's a part of the experience, right? Like why that's a part of our purpose, digesting the karma. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, it's all really an act of love. It's all really an act of love. It's, it's, it's divinity loving to have experiences so much that it plays at being separate. So divinity is playing at being a separated eye with an agenda and issues and you know, we, we actually are the totality, the divinity that's playing at being a separate individuated eye, mm -hmm. you know, on this journey and this battle with life. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of deep illusion that we're living in, but it is an illusion that's created out of love. That's what we often don't see is the love that has created the divine love that's created all of that through one particular human being's life is just mesmerizing when you get in touch with that it's absolutely fascinating mm. that that's happened and happened to you and you and you and you and all these people mm -hmm. so that's on a really deep deep one but i would say um talking about it in a little bit more practical way maybe it's like we live all these lifetimes after lifetimes after lifetimes on this sort of karmic wheel or the wheel of samsara and it just keeps going on like this mm -hmm. in those earlier phases we're more or less sort of accumulating and building karmas building experiences and that kind of thing and there's no sense of at that point in in a person's journey there's no real sense of of anything beyond that it's just, you know, 
like calm learning experience yeah. yeah and it's like just repeat almost repetition in this in a way mm-hmm. and at some point something happens which is kind of like grace or something magical just happens in that in Real. a particular lifetime yeah and then we begin to lose those karmas and those accumulated experiences and the wheel starts to go sort of around you know to a different point Mm. and one starts to lose and lose and lose all this conditioning Mm -hmm. and once that begins to happen then that that incarnational being is beginning more of a conscious journey towards awakening which is, I think, what you were pointing to as what's the yeah. way out of here? How, <laughs> yeah. do I, how, do I, how the hell, how do I get out of here? Which is what we're all, you know, thinking at that point, like, how, wow, where's the exit sign? Mm-hmm. I want to get off this ride. Mm-hmm. That's when often, you know, we've begun without knowing it already the way out by, by losing a lot of karma. And so life then goes from being about, because when it's about the kind of accumulating karma part, that's more or less about how can I get power or how can I get security or preferably both, mm. which is what the ego is driven to, to get, what the, the, the being at that point in its journey is just driven towards power and security. But of course, in the end, that is unsatisfying because it's temporary it doesn't satisfy the the hole in the heart the longing the the deep uh longing within us and the deep hole within us so at some point that's recognized in some lifetime that this this isn't working anymore for me this this trying to gain power trying to gain uh security it's not really working anymore and and all of this, by the way, may happen completely without any words and not consciously. It may just happen. It's, it's happening so naturally. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to give a more detailed explanation of what happens, but it may well not be, you know, thought of in this in these terms by a person. So then as it's, you know, as the 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 calm is beginning to dissolve and dissolve, then you know later on there's the chance to really wake up fully out of that and for that to happen one needs to go through this loss of the eye in the center of the heart the centralized structure and by the way it's much more than an idea it's a Mm. it's a real centralized energetic structure in the heart um the veil of separation the eye that's sitting there and is just so deeply the root of everything the root Mm. of all the conditioning essentially and at some point that pops and then life after awakening begins. Um, so in a way, that's actually more of a beginning, but it's also definitely an ending of a certain karmic journey to a certain mm. extent. Mm. Thank you for all of that. That was very helpful. And I've never heard it shared in that way. And I just want to offer uh, the Heart Sutra as kind of um something that I've personally been playing with, but it helps, it helped me to understand the I-ness versus the oneness as we often hear, right. And how we're both the wave and the ocean. And when we're only focused on being the wave, we feel incomplete as you're talking to, but the truth is that we are also the ocean 
And our physical reality is focused on our, our uniqueness, our separation, our waveness, yet we have the depth of the ocean that we're trying to remember within us. Um, and when you talk to like dropping the, the I-ness and really having that energetic shift, how does energy healing help one do that? Cause I feel like it's totally positively affected me along that journey. And I just, I'd love to hear you speak to that. Okay. So the only thing that I feel can move that eye, can move the veil of separation is divinity itself. Mm -hmm. In other words, that which has no separation in it whatsoever, that which is completely beyond, which I'm calling divinity, mm -hmm. is the only thing that can move that eye. And that is that, basically. <laughs> that is that. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to be able to move it on your own, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, by thinking your way out of it or whatever it may be, um, is not going to do that. You've got to have something that can penetrate on an energetic level. And that penetration can only really be done by divinity itself. Now, um, so the, the, in a way, it gives you a few options. And I'll talk about two of those options. One option would be to go to live with a, a divine incarnation, mm. an avatar, for example, Amma, uh, Neem Karobi Baba, who's died. I mean, most of them have died now, Jesus Christ. There's several examples of people that were not really people, they were literal incarnations of divinity. So you could go and live with one of those beings. And by just being with a being like that, it's going to happen eventually. Mm. When? We don't know. But that's what's going to eventually happen to you because of association with, with that depth of divinity that a being like that is emanating 24 hours a day. Mm. I've heard someone des describe it as when you're close to a fire, it's impossible to not feel the warmth. Yeah, it's like that's that. Right. That's yeah. exactly like that. It's exactly like that. And that's one way. Another way is you get involved in, in a school or, or something which is able to move that in a different kind of way. For example, you might go and study with Adi Ashanti, who's an awakened teacher from California, extremely talented at what he does. If you hung out with him for long enough, I would say it would be very likely that that would happen. So, you know, if, again, eventually we can't put a time limit to it. Another way is that I've seen is through doing the trainings in vortex healing, mm. where I've seen these shifts happen actually in these classes. So, and I think the reason for that, which is just a really simple reason, is that it is a divine lineage. So divinity is coming through vortex healing in a particular way. A flavor of divinity is coming through. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's able to actually facilitate the dropping away or the, the falling or the dissolving of that centralized veil of separation in the heart. Mm. I almost, as you're saying this, I'm just reflecting and it feels like something like vortex healing is almost like a structure that can hold not hold, but host channel div divinity through 
and yeah. versus someone like ama it's just i mean it's just an open source of <laughs> yes 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 yeah. yeah and the other thing to note is that mostly the answer to your original question is that most energy healing can't do that so mm. you would in in a generalized way there's no relationship between energy healing and awakening in a generalized way i've only seen it brought together within vortex healing i haven't seen it brought mm. together within any other energy healing school now obviously i haven't gone to every single one so i have no idea but just from my own observations over many years and listening to people i would say um, it's very unusual highly rare that you would get both in one and the advantage of having both in one is that you can work with the impacts of awakening in the system which are vast the impacts the the energetic and all kinds of impacts mm -hmm. you get to work with that which is mm -hmm. fun and also can really help with the integration process of of awakenings and and the evolution of embodiment it's amazing i i want to just share a personal experience I had working with you, like as a client working with you um, and doing the healings. And when I first came to you, it was because I had really bad chronic back pain. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I was like, yeah, man, I cannot shake this thing. It doesn't matter how many pigeon poses I do. Like this is so tight. And when we got in there, it's been so long ago now, it feels, even though it hasn't really been that long. Um, I'm just 10 iterations further in my own experience that I can't remember. But when we got in there, I remember it being like tied to, um, tied to trauma on my mother's lineage side, like the, the feminine side of my lineage. And we, who knows what you did, you know what you did and divinity knows like what was kind of channeling through you in that session structurally. Um, but over time, it went away. It went away completely, like faster than any sort of regimen I would have done elsewhere. And I also remember that early on in those sessions, I was like, is she for real? Like, is this, is this real? Like, what's good? I feel so good afterwards. So I kept coming back. And that's such a good thing for anyone out there to pay attention to, whether it's food or workout or whatever. If it feels good, keep doing it. Um, but I just remember being like, my mind was in disbelief, but my body was like, hell yes, finally relief. And I felt lighter and brighter and more free physically, literally more flexible and my hips were open. And so I just want to share that because, um, my own experience was like disbelief in the beginning. And then I kept going back because it felt good each time. And each time I noticed myself getting more aware of the, the subtleties in the experience, like I could actually start to feel small sensations or different things in my awareness in our sessions that made this not an esoteric thing. It's a, it's, it is a physical thing almost, even though it's energetic. Um, I'm curious if you have anything to share in response to that or your own kind of first experience with this work. Yeah, absolutely. And I really love what you've said and thank you. And it's, it's a great explanation and it's so good to hear you talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, and 
I, you know, for me, it, I'm a fan of what works. You know, I'm, I'm just like, does this work or doesn't it? And I'm very practical and my background's very practical. And, you know, my guru is very practical. I'm a, the hugging saint, very practical person. So, you know, I bring that sort of practical viewpoint towards the work that I do. It's like, does this work? And, you know, has it worked for these people? Yes. So I'm kind of looking at what works and um and I remember also Adi Ashanti talking a little bit about this once and he was talking about awakening actually and he was saying you know what you want to look at if you're getting into an awakening school or teacher or whatever has anyone woken up in that lineage because <laughs> yeah. very few people often ask that question they just kind of go along with things in a way they would never do in the rest of their lives if they wanted to have their car fixed they wouldn't just go to, you know, somebody who'd never fixed a car before. Mm -hmm. They would go to a mechanic who was known to be able to fix cars. Mm -hmm. So he was saying, you know, you should really approach your, your awakening teacher in that way. Has this person woken up? Has anyone woken up in their lineage? So it's like that. And, you know, it's similar with Vortex. It's like I was beginning to use it as a practitioner because I was seeing these results similar to what you're saying in many, many times over in myself and my clients my friends yeah. my teachers of vortex healing it's I mean in a way I mean I I don't want to put it to find a point to this but kind of it's a results game right it's like mm -hmm. is this working or not so I kind of tend to view things like that and my original experience of vortex healing was a very amusing one, which <laughs> I'd like to share because yeah, I please. think it would be illustrative a little bit more of what we're talking about here. I was, I had, I was living in Brighton. So we're going back to that kind of era. And I had met various amazing people around me. And one of them was a couple that practiced vortex healing. And I went one day to a party with them and it was a fancy dress party for Alice in Wonderland. Oh, so theme. fun. <laughs> so we're at this party and <laughs> this lady from this couple gives me this drink and it says, drink me on it. I'm sure many people know the story of Alice in Wonderland. There's a drink me drink that's very transformative. So she gave me this drink and the party went on and I started to feel this ecstasy in my heart and my whole system. I was just smiling from ear to ear. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I thought someone must have spiked me with the uh, drugs, you know, and I, I didn't take any chemicals and I never have, and I never had at that point. And so I wasn't into it, but I thought, oh, well, what the hell, if it's happened, I may as well enjoy it. Yeah. And I went to, I remember going to the toilet and I looked in the mirror as I was washing my hands and my pupils were dilated. Mm. So then I was like, right, someone's definitely given me ecstasy. Like it has to be that. I'd been around it so much before around people around me. I knew what it looked like. So I was like, right, it has to be that. Okay, let's just, you know, get on and enjoy this. I was there with my partner and we were just, it was so sensual. And I just felt this like, honestly this ecstatic experience was so amazing I was just so blissed out I was like oh my god so in the days following I decided to investigate this party like right what had been there who put what in what was it hash brownies was it ecstasy this that so I did a full investigation you know like I yeah. love to do I'm quite a detective type person so it's really <laughs> you know fun and what I discovered is no no one in the entire party had had any it was a drug-free and alcohol-free party 
the whole thing. Wow. And yeah. And then I went to this girl and I said, you gave me this drink and this is what happened to me. What, what drug? I said, look, I don't mind. Just tell me what you put in because it's interesting just to know. Yeah. And she said, no, I didn't put any drug in there. But what I did was these things called vortex healing structures I put into this drink and the purpose yeah I mean seriously and the purpose of doing that was to awaken the innate memory of divine ecstasy within the partaker I have chills in my whole body right now I mean and it worked and I thought and at this point I'd experienced Reiki and I experienced various other things but I was like no this is magic this is magic in real life like how and my mind couldn't get it my mind was swimming and 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 flying just like of all the possibilities and trying to think no is this some kind of trick or you know I kept trying to work it out but the reality was that had happened my pupils had dilated, it all happened like that. And it was all from this drink. And she's telling me, this is just vortex healing that's done this. There was nothing else in there. And that was it. It just blew my mind so much. And I was, I was 22 at that point. And I was like, that's it. I'm doing the class. And it was just kind of this obvious road that was opening up for me it was like I want to take this class I don't care what it is or how it is but that to me this is magic and I have to find out more about this thing because this if it can do that in a drink what is the (laughs) potentiality for what it can do in the rest of my life or the people that I know totally it is so beautiful and here I am I'm thinking like man, in my past and in a lot of people's lives, we try to get high from drugs or from alcohol. And I'm like, it's not that I don't want to get high and I'm not choosing those things. I just want to get high on divinity because <laughs> it yeah. works. Like, it's so funny. We're coming full circle at the end of this episode now. And I introed you as a fellow spirit junkie. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I'm cracking up because it, it couldn't be more true. Like, it's not that we don't want to feel good or feel ecstasy. It's like, just doing it through spirit is so beautiful. So funny. Wow. I never knew that. What a cool story. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And in closing, I would love for you to talk to the person who's listening to this podcast, who maybe has never done energy healing, but is experiencing pain or is curious about it. Like, how would you kind of direct them or coach them toward what they need to know before they start exploring energy healing? I guess, um, to see energy healing as a tool that is going to address the things that people would go to get addressed by a psychotherapist, by an acupuncturist, by a massage therapist. People are going to these practitioners with very similar problems, Mm -hmm. very similar kind of things that they want to resolve. So that's why you would go to somebody who practices vortex healing or some other kind of energy healing technique. You would go to that kind of person because you're trying to resolve a particular 
thing, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a tool, but it's a tool that's going to be a hell of a lot more effective than a lot of the tools out there, certainly if it's vortex healing, in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and also what I would also say is that, you know, it, the call to awakening is even more so than than all of that. And that kind of calling arises in us when we've kind of become tired of blaming external circumstances for our suffering and we recognize this is just not really working for me you know mm -hmm. there's got to be more than this and that person may be questioning their very sense of self they may be thinking who am I they may be thinking what is this life about and that's when I would say the awakening call has really begun in somebody Mm. and the answer to that call is going to come through the intuitive following of what really arises in one's life like there'll be once that calling gets going that awakening calling it will be answered by things that come into that person's life things that people or things that arise in their life and to really intuitively just follow what it is that's arising for you and to know that awakening from the dream state awakening from the veil of separation and that freedom is possible in this very lifetime you don't have to wait for hundreds of lifetimes more or even one lifetime more you can wake up in this life and that's the kind of reality that I was introduced to by Amma by Adi Ashanti by Marlies Koshere these teachers that exist in the world so you know you can you can actually wake up in this life and I think that the the real reason to even do that ultimately is to serve you know serving others you know and that's something you don't have to be spiritually qualified to do selfless mm -hmm. service is a natural instinct of the human heart and you can start that anywhere in your community um, that value of service I think ultimately is what awakening leads us into mm. thank you so well said and serving like at the end of the day it just feels good like one of my takeaways from this talk with you is how if we're going to things like energy to feel better and also to help us along our awakening path well why do we awaken it's like because it feels good <laughs> it's <laughs> It's felt good for me. Just like the more awake I get, I'm like, wow, it feels really good. I want to keep doing this. There's less conditioning kind of BS operating, you know, Shelby. So yeah, like if it could be as simple as that, our natural human condition, as you say, is to serve. And when we do what is natural, it feels good. It's good to feel good. Mm. Daisy, how can people connect with you what are you what are you currently offering if they're like oh my god I want to go hang out with this girl how do I do that well one of the there's kind of three things to mention there one is that often what happens with people is when they meet me they get really interested in Amma who's my guru and she's a humanitarian leader doing incredible charity projects all over the world and she has been the guiding light of my entire life, my entire mm. awakening path. So I would say the first thing is go to, you know, ama.org or ama.org.uk. Um, 
just search for AMA on Google, whatever you want to do. Um, in terms of the work I'm offering, I'm offering groups. I'm offering online group healing, which is actually free. And I do that every fortnight. So you can find that on daisynotes.com. You can I'll have there's all a sign this in the page. show notes too for you. Yeah. Great. And mm. then also I'm offering individual one-on-one -on -one sessions, paid sessions. So that's also another offering that people can, can come and just check out, you know, what is it? Um, so there, I guess the three things that I'd like to, there's so much more to say, but I would say in terms of where I would want to direct people, it would be to those three things. Mm, thank you so, so much. I can personally attest to all of those things um, and how transformational they've been for me. The one-on-one -on -one work with you has absolutely thrown my life in a completely different direction that I am so grateful for, truly, dear sister. And the group healing sessions are remarkable. It's so incredible how many people show up from all over the world. And it's been such a lovely way to start my day. And I can't believe like how I show up or how I feel when I start versus at the end, even in a large group field, it's really, really amazing. So thank you for all that you're doing in the world, for your own path that's led you to all of this work, all the discomfort and conditioning that you've navigated in this life and many lives prior that's led you to here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a privilege connecting with you today. Thank you, Daisy. Likewise, and thank you so much for inviting me for such an enriching discussion on such great topics. Mm. And I uh, really appreciate your heart and your warmth and your work. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you. Big love. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of this Spiritual Journey podcast. I am so honored to do this work and to share it with you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode with Daisy. Feel free to follow her or join her bi-monthly group energy healing offerings. You can find details to that in the show notes. And I will see you next week. Big love always.